Well, it's good to be with you. I, we have been in a, a series this summer looking at pictures of salvation. And last week, Pastor Nathan walked us through the picture of Manasseh, uh, an Israelite king who, who, for most of us who read the story or were here last Sunday, realized Manasseh didn't live what you would call a, a righteous life. He was a pretty wicked king. In fact, uh, Nate even brought up how he was taken away by another nation with hooks, probably through his skin and nose. But as Pastor Nathan pointed out, what we saw at the end of Manasseh's life was a man who repented, who humbled himself before God and chose to fear the Lord, that he took his sin seriously and that it wasn't just theoretical. And so this morning, we're going to continue looking at the pictures of salvation, and we're going to look at a picture today that's familiar to all of us. This is a picture that even if you haven't grown up in the church, you have probably heard about the story of the two thieves that were crucified next to Christ. And this is an incredible story. It's an incredible story because it magnifies the mighty power of Christ to save sinners. Even when we are on our deathbed, the power of Christ is never far off to the one who turns to him and asks to be remembered in his kingdom. So this morning, would you please stand as we read the word of the Lord? I'm going to read starting in verse 33, but we're going to spend our time this morning looking at verse 39 to 43. It says this, the word of God. When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. But Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Referring to the crowds and those who were surrounding them, putting them up on the uh, the cross. And so they, the soldiers, cast lots, dividing up his garments among themselves, And the people stood by looking on, and even the rulers were sneering at Jesus, saying, he saved others, let him save himself. This is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up to him, offering him sour wine, and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Now, there was also an inscription above him, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hanged there was hurling abuse at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other answered and rebuking him said, Do you not even fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed are suffering justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you today, you shall be with me in paradise. Please stand as we pray over our time this morning. Father, thank you for this, for your word, for this picture of salvation. Lord, I pray that you Soften our hearts this morning to hear from your word. 
Lord, I pray that we see our own wickedness and our need for you and that you cause us to turn from our sin and to you, Lord Jesus. I ask this in your name. Amen. You may be seated. A couple of weeks ago, I had the privilege of living in my house without power. We had that big storm a few weeks ago. How many of you lost power? Anybody? Just us? Okay, a few of us, right? Yeah, we, we live over in the Lincolnshire neighborhood. And around that neighborhood, there's many old trees. Uh, and they're all kind of like huddled around the power lines. So when we had that kind of like wildly brief storm blow through uh, tree limbs, branches, I mean, branches the size of trees were in my neighbor's front yard and they were falling, some on top of homes and of course, power lines. And uh, I know that's not uncommon uh, for it to happen during a storm for people to lose their power, but this was the second time this year that it happened to my wife and I, and we had a power outage for three to four days. So the second time this year that we've had our power out for three to four days. And when this happened in early March, we were thankful that the winter wasn't very cold and that we had a fireplace. This past storm, I was very thankful that my wife and kids were on vacation with her mom and dad and that I had the men's camping trip. So it, it wasn't much of a burden. But in March, we were just thankful it was a, a, warmer, a warmer winter. And for the first night, it wasn't too bad. You know, it was kind of fun. You know, we had candles in the house, had the fireplace going, roasting marshmallows with the kids. And it, it was fun. We made a, a fun night of it. And we were told that the power was going to come on the next day. And so we waited, and the next day came, but the power didn't turn on. And that night wasn't as fun. Um, many of you offered your home but, to us, and we were very grateful for that. And we were just, I think, anticipating that it would come on eventually. We were hopeful. We were getting emails, texts. But it never came back on. And by the fourth night, we learned that our it was our fourth night that we learned that our water heater still worked. So what does that mean? Well, it means we, we went four days without a shower, didn't realize that our water heater, being a gas water heater, still worked when the power was off. So if that ever happens to you, if you have a gas heater, remember your, power, your water heater probably still works. Anyway, we, we felt pretty dumb. And so I say all this uh, not to complain about Toledo Edison, but because there was a lesson for us today, I think, in our power going out for a few days. Because the moment that the lineman fixed the line, electricity instantly came back to our house. There was not this charging moment like your phone when your phone dies and you gotta wait for it to charge before you can use it. There was not a waiting that needed to happen as soon as they flipped the switch, the power came back on, the lights sprang on, and our furnace kicked back on, and we had power. It was great. And the passage before us is remarkable because the power of Christ is instantaneous. Just like when they turned the power back on, it, 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 we didn't have to charge, Christ's power is instantaneous. 
The thief on the cross goes from a vile sinner in the dark to a saint in the light. And my hope is that you see the willingness of Jesus to save sinners and his power to do it. Because there's very few passages that we get to see the power of God just happen, especially someone's heart change like we do in this picture. And I think there are some of you here that need to hear this message because some of you don't know the power that I'm talking about. You know that you have asked Jesus into your life, but there doesn't seem to be any power of change. You have given examples in your head of the things that you wish would be different in life, but it doesn't seem like the lights are on. And the question that I want you to think about is, are you saved? Have you ever tasted the power of Christ? For maybe the reason the lights are not on and the power is not there in your life is not because Christ's power isn't working, but because it's not there. Our passage is clear this morning. There are those who are saved and those who are not. There are those who have power and those who do not. Now the power that I'm talking about is not what maybe some of you grew up with or maybe what comes to your mind if you're on YouTube, thinking of you know, speaking in tongues or visions or healings. These things are gifts. These things are gifts from God, but they're not the power that I'm talking about. The power that I'm talking about this morning is greater than those things. This is the power that God himself does in the life of man, that he takes a stone heart and he turns it into flesh. He makes the dead come to life. Now looking at our passage, what we have before us are two men. One man is on his left and the other is on his right. Both men, we are told, are criminals. And if we look in the Gospel of Matthew at this same or similar story in Matthew, we learn that both men were robbers and that both men were mocking Jesus. It wasn't just the one that we see here in Luke. But Matthew says that both were mocking Jesus, saying, if you are the Christ, then save yourself and save us. Now, we're not told exactly what they stole or what kind of robbers they were, but we can be sure that these men were wicked men. Their crimes were most likely not stealing a loaf of bread, but more likely they were the type of criminals that were getting their hands dirty. They weren't afraid to do whatever it took, whatever it takes to get the job done even if that meant spilling blood. And we don't know this for sure, but we know that the cross was a, a death sentence and that these men were sentenced to death on a cross. These are the kinds of men we can be sure that you would keep your children from. The kind of men that you point at as examples of the consequences of living a wicked life. Furthermore, their wickedness can be seen clearly in their speech towards Jesus. It wasn't just that they were nailed to the cross, but their mockery of Jesus is wicked. 
Jesus says in Mark 7 that all the vilest things that we do and say come from our heart. That there is nothing that makes us wicked from the outside, but that the problem is we have a wicked heart. And if that's true, these men were wicked men. And there was nothing going for them. Their fate was sealed as they bore their own cross next to Christ. These men were in the dark. They had wicked hearts. Even their actions were, were damnable by the governing officials. The thing about darkness is that you get used to it. Your eyes are incredibly gifted. And they are great at adjusting in low light and high light. Maybe not at first. Some of us probably wish when we wake up in the middle of the night that they adjusted immediately. But if you spend enough time in low light situations, your eyes do adjust. And this is true for us. This is true. This is the reality that's, that's true of all of us when it comes to our sin. Without the power of Christ working in us, we're as guilty as these men on the cross. And we don't see it. We don't know it because we've kind of grown accustomed to it. For without the power of Christ, we all fall short of the glory of God. We all are criminals before God. Each one of us has committed crimes against God and deserve punishment at the highest level. We all live in darkness. You and I, we are as vile as these men. Our hearts, the Bible says, continue to do evil all the time. And you have gotten so used to the darkness that the darkness has become normal. We look into a mirror and we don't see criminals. Instead, we see what we want. Recently, I listened to a book by Flannery O'Connor called Revelation. And the book takes place mostly in a hospital waiting room. And there are three mothers, each with their daughter. And if you've read anything by Flannery O'Connor, she generally writes uh, about the South in the 1950s. And so some of her language can be pretty abrasive. And the story goes that the main mother is looking around as they are waiting for a long time. And I'm sure if any mother has taken their kid to the, the doctor or the the emergency room, it seems like a long time, <laughs> any time. But, but they're waiting for a long time for the doctor. And so the story goes that she's in and out of her head. She's talking to these women. She's having conversations. She's getting to know them. She's being kind. But the story also goes inside this woman's head. And in her head, you hear things like this. I am so thankful I'm not like that white trash woman over there. And she goes on and on and on about how thankful she is that she's not that white trash woman. However, when it came 
to speaking to that white trash woman in the waiting room out loud, you know what came out of her mouth? Oh, sweetie, you're so kind. You're so sweet. That's so funny. This woman on the outside was the sweet southern woman that comes to our mind, but on the inside, she was dark, vile, and wicked. And this woman is us. You know, how many of you this past week passed by somebody thinking, man, I'm so glad I'm not them? How many of you see the sins of others so clearly? But in your own life, you wonder where the power of Christ is. You don't even see your own sin. The problem is we're all guilty of sin. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. We are all stained with the nastiest stains. And I remember a man telling me about a dream he had once. And in this dream, this man was waiting in line and he described the place around him as what we would probably think of as, as, as heaven or you know, that picture of, of the pearly gates you know, with Peter or somebody standing there, right? And he was describing the scene. And he was telling me that as he was waiting in line, he asked somebody, hey, what's this line for? And the person said to him, it's to be judged. And this man telling me about his dream, he told me that when he heard that, he was terrified. Because he knew that he would not be let in because he understood his sin. And he understood that he was guilty of too many sins and had a great burden. And so he tried to run. He tried to move backwards in line. He tried to get out of line. He tried to get out of dodge. But no matter how hard he tried, the man said in his dream, he kept moving towards the judge until he actually got up to the judge. And before the judge could say a word, he woke up. And he was in sweats. And so I asked him, you know, like, what happened next? And he said, I, I just sat up and I didn't do anything. I said, why not? He said, that God is my judge. And there's no way God would ever forgive me of my sin. He believes that God was there to judge him. And the reality is, he's right. God is a judge, and he will judge all of us for all of our actions. We will all be judged by Christ when he comes. And the reality is we're all guilty, and we all deserve eternal death. Jesus spoke about hell more than anyone else in the Bible. He talks about hell being a place of gnashing teeth, eternal fire, and the wrath of God poured out on sinners. And so without Christ, there is no power. There is nothing you can do to change your life. You have no power in yourself. You have no more power than the criminals on the cross to save themselves. And they were professional robbers 
But there was no way they were going to steal back time and redo it. And often we try to turn on the power without Christ. We jumpstart Bible reading plans. We begin going back to church. We put away our video games. We lock up our phones. We stop watching that TV show that we would never watch, you know, here at church. You stop yelling at your wife. You stop yelling at your husband. And for a little while, it works. You live in peace. And for some time, it does work. You get away with it. But what happens? You go back to it. Like a dog to its vomit, you go back to the sin. Only to repeat this cycle month after month after month. And so you ask yourself, where's the power? What hope do I have? And I say, look at this passage. What we see is darkness turning to light. We see, what we see is that the power of Christ has the power to change the darkness into light. What we hope, I mean, what hope did the thief have? What hope did he have? He didn't have any hope in his situation. But even in his final hour of life, something instantly changed this man. We see that no matter how vile and wicked your heart is, all of our hearts are this way. Jesus is willing to save and has the power to change you. Look at how this man changes in this passage. How does this man go from mocking Jesus with a wicked heart to rebuking the other criminal? As he says, do you not even fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation and we indeed are suffering justly for we are receiving, receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. We know there was nothing for him to see. Christ wasn't doing miracles at this time. He wasn't gloriously draped with robes, but he was naked and bruised and beaten and hanging on a cross. And this scene of the cross isn't what we think of as the cross. It was just death. It was bleak. All that the thief would have seen was a man in the same position. His senses didn't help him. And there's no way that he was convinced. There wasn't any logical reason for him to believe that Jesus had the power to save him in this moment. There was no convincing argument that the thief heard in that hour about Jesus that changed his mind. And we live in a day where we, we do believe that it's by our understanding that we are saved, but this man mocking Christ, moments earlier, you know, he was mocking Jesus. And so what new revelation did he hear? 
This man didn't get baptized, and this man wasn't a part of a good Bible-believing church, things that we tend to look to for our salvation. But what is clear from this passage is that the thief on the cross was saved by Christ's power alone, and there was nothing in him and nothing he did that saved him. And so how does this man go from mocking Christ to defending him? It's by the work of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God was at work in this man's heart. We don't read about the Spirit in this passage, but we know that the Spirit's work is like the wind. Jesus says, when he tells Nicodemus that only those who are reborn will see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus says, how are you to be reborn? To which Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. Here at this man's final hour, the spirit of God was at work. This man's heart was instantly changed from death to life. And we know this because of the fruit that we can see. And the fruit that we see is found in this man's defense. He calls Christ Lord, saying, remember me in your kingdom. He went from mocking to admitting that Jesus was innocent. He admits his sin. He says to the other thief, why do you criticize Christ? You and I deserve our punishment. But this man is innocent. He admits that he deserves this punishment, that he was guilty of sin. And he turns to Christ and calls Jesus to remember me in your kingdom. What more can any of us hope for in this life and the life to come than to be remembered by Christ? Is that your hope today? To, to be remembered by Christ. For some of you, you need to hear this warning because there are two men in this story, but only one went to be with Jesus in paradise. There are some of you who do not fear God and you live your life as if there's no tomorrow. You think you have tomorrow you think I'll start to follow Jesus tomorrow when I'm older, when I get my life together. You know, I'm in my 30s, so I'm working on my career. Like, I'm busy. I don't have time to walk with God, to go to church, to be a follower of Christ. I'll do it when I'm old. But the reality is, none of us are promised that we have tomorrow. And the reality is right before us. These men died a death on the cross and there is no glory in sin. Sin only brings about death. It only knows how to kill, steal, and destroy. Sin never looks after you. None of us know how many days we have. So seek Christ while he is at the door. And turn away from your sin, from your pride. See it for what it is and repent. 
Scripture is clear that even if we see the wicked prosper today, God's justice will not be mocked. He is the judge, and hell is real, and it is his wrath. On the other hand, if you are here today and you thought that you were too far gone, or like that man I told you about earlier who thought God would never forgive him, hear this and be encouraged. Jesus says in Revelation that he stands at the doors and knocks, and whoever opens the door, he will come into their life. Jesus in his final hours of life was more willing to change this man's fate and he had the power to do it. And this was at his death. We know that Christ is raised from the grave and he's in his glory. And if he was willing to do it then, how much more is he willing to save you? To forgive you? He is powerful. And it's not just some of your sin, it's all of it. He's willing to forgive all of it. If you turn to him and go to Christ, repent from your sin. And finally, I want to encourage us who are here that have been seeking Christ, who have tasted his power before. And I want you to be encouraged that that same power you tasted when you first came to know Christ is the same power working in you now. That you don't have to give in to your sin. You can say no. You don't have to keep going back into those sinful cycles on repeat. That same power that brought you from death to life is alive in you right now, today. You don't have to live in darkness. You don't have to keep living the repeat loop of sin. I know many of you can remember when you came to know Christ and the victory you saw. I remember when I first came to know Christ and I started to see particular sins that, I mean, they were just in my life. And I never thought they'd go away. And I remember there was an opportunity and I thought for sure, man, this, this is not gonna end well. And yet, when that opportunity came, by God's power alone, I said no. For the first time in my life, I said no. And I just remember jumping for joy, saying, who is this God that has mercy on me? And I know you have stories like that in your life where you can remember the power of God working so clearly in your life. And I say to you this morning, don't believe the lies of Satan that say there is no hope. That power is gone. It came for a time. Instead, seek the power of Christ. He gives you the power 
He gives you his spirit to say no to sin, to fight your sin. He's given you the comforter to give you strength and to encourage you. The scripture is clear that you are no longer a slave if you are in Christ Jesus, but that you are made a son, a daughter. Paul in Galatians chapter 4 says, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. And to the Corinthians, he says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away, and behold, the new has come. Therefore, if, if you know Christ, do not give in to the lies of Satan, to the temptations of this world, but live a life in power, trusting God. And if you're here today and you say, Jake, I've been doing this. You know, I've tried. Keep going to Christ. Ask him for this power. Ask him as this thief did to be remembered in paradise. Put your sin behind you. Pick up your cross daily and follow after Jesus. Because the power of Christ instantly changes us. Live in the power of Christ who gives us the power to have victory over our sin and the power to live in the light. Let us pray.